You're listening to SAS Nordic, the sassiest podcast in the Nordics. Hi, I'm Daniel. And I'm Thomas. And we are experienced SaaS professionals that are curious about how other successful SaaS companies go to market, scale, build winning teams and great products. Join us on our journey as we speak to Nordic SaaS leaders trying to get hold of their secret sauce. And today's guest is Joel Hellemark, the CEO and founder at Sana Labs. Whenever you introduce something new, uh, you should be very clear on whether you're exploring or, or exploiting. And when you set up this new performance structure, you don't know what will work. So you should be more in exploration mode where you try out different models and you see what works best for your team. Hello and welcome to another episode of the SAS Nordic Podcast. Really happy that you choose to listen to us here in the coming half an hour. Uh, Wherever you are, cooking food, out running, being at the gym, Glad to have you here. Ready with the notebooks. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're going to definitely hear uh, some interesting stuff today, uh, things that are worth to think about. And uh, our guest today has made quite a lot of reflections uh, in this area. Yeah, definitely. And you guys have asked us, like, we've done a lot of stuff for you on sales, marketing, just re- scaling revenue and so on. But you've also asked for, like, let's look at some of the foundational pieces, like, how do we structure the organization? And that's what we're going to talk about today with this founder. Absolutely. So uh, join the ride and here we go. Today we are very happy to have Joel Hellemark, the CEO and founder at Sana Labs here as a guest in the SAS Nordic podcast. So uh, welcome, Joel. Thank you for having me. It's great having you here. And we know you're a busy guy traveling between Europe and US all the time. So finally, we could lock down some time and, and get you on the show. Really exciting. So for the ones that might not know you yet, who is Joel? So Joel is uh, the founder and CEO of Sana, super passionate about machine learning and human learning and decided to combine the two and and, and found a company that's specialized in in applying machine learning to create a much more personalized and engaging learning experience. Right. And prior to doing this, what else have you done? So I got really passionate about programming uh, as a kid. It was this time when a lot of big universities started publishing their courses online. So you could take a computer science course from from the best teachers at at Stanford. And that's what I ended up doing. I took a course from Andrew Eng, got really passionate about how to apply AI to a range of different fields and uh, programming uh, more more generally. Uh, Then ended up working at Gritworks as my first job. Um, worked together with uh, the partner who later on actually led our, our Series A, then founded a video recommendation uh, technology company, um, and then after uh, some time decided to uh, pursue pursue lear- learning and uh, found uh, Sana Labs. Right. What was the first application or, or thing that you did when you started to, to learn this uh, machine learning stuff? So it was building this system that would uh, play, play chess with my uh, with my friends. So okay. I thought it was really interesting how you could create this, yeah, minds in the computer effectively that could do things for you. So instead of me beating them in chess, I could could have the computer do it for me. Okay. Also, <laughs> oh, you you never told them that, uh, hey, buddy, you're playing a machine. They always thought they were playing you. No, I actually mentioned. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was was fair game to mention that uh, it was using some additional compute. Okay. Okay. Great. So, could you tell us a little bit about Sana Labs, your company? Um. So, so Sana was was founded around the thesis that learning is one of the world's greatest problems. It's the sort of meta problems of, of sorts, where if you solve learning, you solve everything else. And 
that's particularly true for a business. So whatever you care about, if it's sales enablement, onboarding new talent, upskilling your talent, uh, it all starts with, uh, with, with learning. But learning is a domain that was used in quite a lot of legacy tools, tools that were built more for administration than really consumer-grade experiences. So we wanted to apply the latest set of breakthroughs in fields like AI and real-time technologies to create a much more interactive learning experience, one that would adapt to everyone's individual needs. Um, and, and make that um, more, in, more engaging, ultimately. Okay. In Sana, you can author the courses, so you can create your sales playbook, your product training, your competitor comparison, uh, etc. You can then organize this, and then as a learner, you can go through a, a, a very uh, powerful learning journey that helps you learn more in less time. Right. All right. So when I think about LMS, I see in front of me, you know, you look at the f- a few videos and then you get the multiple like choice questionnaire. Uh, how, how are you different? So there's two main ways in, in which we're different. And the first point is around this personalization and adaptivity. So if you have a sales rep who might have been at your company for for a couple of years, they will come in at a very different knowledge level than uh, someone who's brand new to, to the company. Right. First, Sana will quickly map out what is your existing knowledge and then create the personalized learning path for you. But also learn just viewing a video or sword so doesn't mean that you've actually mastered that content. So we will also adapt. So if if it, you miss a couple of questions, it will serve up the material that addresses that knowledge gap and so on. So that's the first point. The second point is around the collaborative learning. Uh, when uh, learning is a multiplayer game, that's when we learn the best. And uh, that's how we've designed the product. So you can learn together with colleagues. You'll have reflection cards where other colleagues can share their best practices of how they handled a specific objection, uh, for example, and really leverage that that knowledge of, of the crowds. And in Sana, you can even create live sessions. You can create interactive live sessions. And we've built a Zoom for learning of sorts, where you can have really engaging, active, live learning sessions in in combination. So first that adaptive part, and then the collaborative part is at the very heart of of what we do. Gotcha. So who do you sell this to? Who is your ideal customer? Um, So it's uh, chief HROs or heads of learning at companies between 500 to 5,000 employees. Any particular uh, industry? It's been uh, uh, quite broad. So we work with everything from technology and healthcare companies like Cru, um, where they're um, training their both their clinicians but also their headquarters. We work with Europe's uh, fastest growing energy company, um, Svea Solar, onboarding solar panel installers, but also uh, training their leaders on, on head- headquarters. So it's, it's actually quite broad, but the commonality be- be- between them is that they, they really prioritize talent, typically fast, fast growing and in uh, uh, knowledge intensive industries. All right. So who would be your dream customer if you can pick one? Good question. Mm, that's a very that's a very good good question. Uh, I think a lot of the 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 companies that we're working with are incredibly inspiring. So, for example, if you take a company like Merck, we're working on helping their uh, researchers leverage data science uh, more more effectively to develop new medicines faster. And I think that really comes back to that original thesis, right, that it all starts with learning. So if we can accelerate learning, we'll see positive effects in new medicines being developed faster. Uh, that's one example. And, and then coming back to, to Svea Solar as well, we, 
we really need to accelerate the transition to renewable energy, and and they're a pioneer in that field, and and we're honored to 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 enable their their learning. Good question, good answer. <laughs> <laughs> Your wife works for Merck, right, Daniel? <laughs> yes, I, I just I just thought of it, and she works on the educational side of Merck, teaching all these. Uh, labs how to use whatever it is that they're doing over there yeah amazing yes small <laughs> world small world so i will run over across the house here and be like melissa let me see the lms you guys are using <laughs> <laughs> i got the guy on the on the on the on the line here awesome so speaking about um uh, fast growing Let, let's let's put things in perspective a little bit why don't you tell us a little bit about your business walk us through you know the arr how quickly you guys are growing the markets where you guys are present amount of customers and so on for sure and so we uh, we're growing 7x year year over year we've had a really rapid wait pace wait over. wait did you say 7x yeah like 700 <laughs> percent 7x okay cool so we've uh, we've been uh, been really fortunate to um to partner with yeah, many of the world's leading businesses, and they are themselves growing really rapidly. So we're growing quickly with our partners as, as well, with, um, with a net revenue retention well north of, of 120. Um, and uh, the, the companies uh, that we work with is, uh, is uh, like around 55% in the Nordics, but then 45% internationally. So as a next step now, we're, we're doubling down on, on the UK and, and uh, the US and uh, just about to, to open our, our offices uh, there. Uh, Joel, uh, with all due respect to the 7X, how many customers do you have? Uh, 70. 70, okay. So you, you've been ramping up really fast from 10 to 70. Did I understand that right? No, so it's also growing with the existing customer base. So some of our partners have gone from having 100 learners on the platforms to 2000s. All right. Gotcha. Looking at uh, your company when it comes to um, how you fund it and, and what the ownership structure looked like, can you say something about that? Where do you get the the money to to drive this from? So we're fortunate to be backed by by EQT and and the partner at EQT um, is is someone that I've now known then for for over a decade. So started working at at his uh, agency when I was fourteen and then built that relationship up over over the years. Uh, we're also backed by a set of operators and, and founders that uh, that we learn uh, a lot from. Everything from Sophia Benz, who was the previous chief marketing officer at Spotify, to founders of um, of Unity and and, and other uh, leading uh, SaaS businesses. So it's been a combination of of venture capital firms and 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 people that we learn a lot from. All right, then. or we learn from the venture capital firms as well, of course. <laughs> All right, and and how much of the company do you own? I can't say that publicly either. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Majority, minority. Yeah, minority. Cool. Quite interesting. So if you're very young and listening to this, so if you want to make sure that you have a good backer, you should, you know, if you're 13, 14, uh, go to that VC and start brewing coffee and helping them out in, in any way you can. It will pay off <laughs> in the long run, right? For sure. I I, I had the habit of, of cold mailing uh, uh, people as a, as a kid as, as well. So I... Um, I would uh, find that when you register a website, you also have to register your phone number. And if you go to Whois, you can actually found this, uh, find this phone number. So I ended up dialing up uh, my dream angel investors for, for the company. So I dialed up uh, Tim Cook, Mark Zuckerberg, and Kanye West. Kanye West, I like that. <laughs> exactly. So Kanye um, picked up the phone, actually, and, and, 
And uh, when he said, what's up, it's Kanye, I completely choked and hung up, unfortunately. So <laughs> yeah, he didn't end up uh, investing. But, but um, uh, some of the others actually ended up uh, inviting me to, to come to San Francisco and, and meet them. And I think that's something that I've always been surprised by, how, how generous some of these leaders in, in their respective fields are with their time. Um, and if you reach out, um, even though I didn't have any 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 um, background at, at that point, they were very keen to, to support and, and help me along the way. So uh, something that I would also encourage people to do at, at that time is, is really uh, cold mail people and, and, and you'd be surprised by how, how many people respond. Yeah. yeah. But what did you do as a 14-year-old uh, working for a VC? So I did, I, did uh, I was a programmer, so I developed the apps um, and, and other uh, software recommendation systems and, and so on for me. So I think they found this arbitrage where uh, they could pay me a um, hundred sec an hour and then sell that for a thousand sec. Yeah, <laughs> a 10x deal. Yeah, we're not going to call it child labor, but <laughs> whatever. <laughs> anyway, awesome, fantastic story. Really cool. Thanks for sharing that. Today, we're curious to learn a little bit about your views and your perspective because I know it's, it's a big thing for you and Sana Labs about making the organizational structure a core competitive advantage versus anybody else in this space. So we talked a little bit about operating models. Let's start with that. Let's set the foundation. What the heck is an operating model? I've always been super inspired by, by these organizations like the Macintosh Group, the Manhattan Project, Bell Labs, and, and other companies. And of course, it all starts with, with talent. But once you have that amazing talent, how do you create an environment where, where they output some of these game-changing uh, innovations? So I studied the groups uh, a lot, also uh, the Walt Disney uh, team, and, and tried to understand what, what are the underlying uh, fundamentals of, of how they've structured those teams and, and how did that enable uh, ultimately what, what products they, they generated. The operating model, I, I think, has a set of structures and, and a cadence. And I think those two things are, are equally important. So the first is, 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 is then the, the structure. How do you break down your, your goals into very tactical execution models? And then how do you organize your, your teams uh, around those? And then it's the cadence. How often do you set the strategy? Um, how often do you follow up on it? Um, and, uh, and how do you break it down in, into these this shorter sprints? And I've found this to make a massive difference in the execution uh, of, of the business. And especially as you grow, it's one of the strongest levers you, you have as a leader and, and something you ought to be quite obsessed uh, about. Yeah, that makes a, a lot of sense. So, so tell us a little bit like what operating models are out there? Are, are there any like standard frameworks that people in B2B SaaS should be aware of that are more sexy than others? So a couple of ones that, that we've tried out over the years was first, we, we started with, with OKRs and um, you would have the, the annual planning and then you would break that down into your objectives and, and key, key results. And you would do that on a quarterly uh, basis. And we found that to be in, ineffective in a, in a couple of ways. First, if we if we look at the cadence, we found annual and quarterly to to be the wrong cadence to drive momentum in a, in a team. And we tried everything in in between. And what we found to be the optimal cadence is six weeks and six months. 
six weeks is short enough so you can plan it in 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 detail and that you never have to change a plan uh, but still long enough to 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 get quite a lot of stuff done and then six months is is long enough to say set bold objectives um uh, to to execute in these more six weeks uh, sprints all right but doesn't this uh, depend on the size of your company i mean if you're a small organization you might want to use shorter sprints but but if you i mean if you're a 500 employee company you might need to have those longer perspectives or i found it to scale remarkably well across all companies so i have friends all the way up to thousands of of employees that that are using uh, that are using this this cadence and i think the issue is when when you're small what you end up doing is that you're constantly replanning, which means that you can never really execute on the strategy. And I think that was the issue for us. We were constantly revising the strategy, uh, adding new goals to the plan and, and so on, which meant that we couldn't have accountability and, and things were, were moving all of the time. So we couldn't really see uh, any tactic or, or strategy through. When we, what we found with the six weeks one is that we never sh- change a six weeks plan and then we hold everyone accountable to, to the six weeks plan. Um, and then on a six months time frame, then we can throw the strategy up in the air, revise it, question a lot of those things. Um, so I, I've, I've found this to, and I actually have I have a friend who scaled this exact model from 50 employees to, to thousands today. All right. Mm. Cool. So how do you get started with this? Like, you know, you obviously tried the OKRs, it wasn't for you guys, and then you decided to go to this model. Like, where do you start? I think you start with the first principles and uh, I, I really appreciate that, that question because you should really understand what is the first principles of how another organization decided a certain operating model, for example. So if, if you're just copying Spotify's operating model and applying that to your own organization, you're not understanding that there are 7,000 people organization, they have a different product than, than you have, and, and, and so on. So what, what you should try to, to start with is, is the first principles. Uh, what are you looking to, to achieve? Um, what is your, what is your team, team size? What is the product that you're looking to deliver? Um, what stage are you? Are you more in exploration or exploitation? Um, and, and so on. So start with the first principles. But then I think it makes a lot of sense to to study the grids and study other companies and 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 learn from them. There's a lot of interesting tactics when we look back at at these great groups in in history that that you can you can learn from. And that's something I, I've tried to make a, a habit. In fact, I think most of my mentors are 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 dead, and I've never met them, but I've studied them a lot through their biographies uh, and and so on. Okay, and let me ask you this then, because what, what we've seen also with the OKR framework is that you have the best success when there's a clear ownership. Somebody, I know it's entire team, but somebody, that one individual needs to own, in this case, the operating model. One, would you agree with that statement? And two, who would that person be? I definitely uh, agree uh, agree with this this statement. And the structure we use at Sana is a is a structure of directly responsible individuals. So every single uh, person in the organization is the DRI for 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 something, and every single area we have a DRI for, and to make it very explicit, um, uh, where the ownership lies. 
when it comes to who should own the 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 operating model, I think it depends on on the the structure of of your of your leadership uh, team. Uh, but but certainly the 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 CEO should should be highly involved in in setting it because ultimately I think that's the the strongest lever of how you implement uh, implement the, the strategy. Mm. So do you own the model or is it somebody else that owns it right now at Sana Labs? In our in our team our our chief of staff is is uh, is the owner uh, of of mm-hmm. of it um and uh, uh ultimately the one that is architected a lot of these uh, these processes. Fundraising can be exhausting. With Float, funding for SaaS businesses has never been easier. All digital funding platform apply in just a few clicks. 100% customizable growth loans to fit your needs. No dilution, no personal or equity guarantees. Fuel your growth by accessing a credit line of up to 70% of your ARR within days. And the best of all, you get a fixed interest rate from Float. Visit gofloat.io and get funded. Yeah, so you mentioned a little bit about how you are working now, but um Did you consider different alternatives or did you investigate, you know, other potential operating models before you decided on this one? Yeah, and we we tried uh, a lot of different structures be, before we we implemented uh, missions and uh, I studied uh, NASA a lot this, as well. I've always been inspired by how NASA has been organized around these missions where they have a very bold objective like get to the moon. They create a lot of culture around that objective, and instead of uh, setting an objective on uh, organization, uh, they set the organization based on the objective. So they say, "Okay, we need to get to the moon. You are responsible for getting us to the moon. In order to get to the moon, we need these different areas of expertise. We're going to set a DRI for each one of those areas of expertise, and then they uh, create a lot of." momentum uh, ar- and purpose around this objective so they have the mission patches of, uh, which everyone carries and and so on and i've been I- intrigued by how could you reflect that in a business if we f- if, if we take the first uh, the the first learning which is instead of setting a strategy on to an existential existing organizational structure What if you first set the strategy and then you define the organizational structure of how you're most likely to execute on that strategy? So you go in that order. But then once you do that, how do you make the OKRs or whatever framework? How do you make this all more engaging um, and inspiring? You know, uh, improving um, the conversion of a certain metric ten percent uh, that doesn't get you up early in in, in the morning or. Or it might, uh, depending on on who you are as a, as a person. But yeah. but if you can really set that that purpose uh, for 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 the team, what does this actually mean for for the user? If we go back to to a recent example from from COVID, we had uh, the mission that was train uh, over a hundred thousand health workers. That's a super in, inspiring o- o- objective um, of how we could sp- support during during such a such a time, and then we set the team that is b- best suited for for executing on that that purpose. Um, so we evaluated a, a, a lot of these different frameworks, but 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 I must say that the organizational structure that that NASA had is is one of the ones I've, I found the most inspiring. Okay, very cool. And I think you've touched upon it uh, throughout the conversation here. But for the people listening, and we, we still know that there's still a lot of companies that don't have 
what we sometimes call a performance framework or that North Star type of setup that, that guides the entire organization. But if you're about to set something like this, a performance framework or an operating model, what are the top three things they should think about? I think that the first one is is um, when, whenever you introduce something new, uh, you should be very clear on whether you're exploring or, or exploiting. And when you set up this new performance structure, you don't know what will work. So you should be more in exploration mode where you try out uh, different models and you see what works best for your team. Mm -hmm. Try out different cadences, different structures, and, and so on. And make that clear as, as well. So otherwise, it will feel like you're changing the operating model all, all of the time. But if you make it clear that now we're going to explore this structure and see what works best for us, um, that that makes makes sure that that uh, that that you can um, uh, that you can ad adapt it according to new data. Is there not a risk then that uh, if you tell people like we're an explore, then you have your sales folks saying like, oh, here's another experiment. Like I don't have time for this to commit my mindset to this. I need to sell stuff because it's just an experiment. Of course, and that depends on on your your history. Um, certainly, if if you've been trying a lot over the years, it, it might get more difficult. But that's why I also think it's important that you make it clear that, that you're exploring because otherwise people will feel that these things will change all of the time. But if you say we're going to try this, this out for, for six months and, and then evaluate, um, then you make it clearer um, uh, how, how this will be, be rolled out. I think the second thing is speak to the grids in, in, in your field and, and study the grids of, 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 of the past. There's so many uh, uh, decades of, of experience in, in quite similar situations to, to yourself. And, and I, who hadn't really had a real job uh, prior, prior to, to Sana, I had to learn a lot uh, um, from, from myself. But, but I was fortunate to have some mentors that I, that I could learn from and uh, save a, a couple of years of, um, of, um, of problems. Um, and then uh, thirdly, I think, that ultimately the most important thing with an operating model is that you stick to it um, and you actually follow through on it. Uh, and I think that's what ends up happening is that you might have a lot, you might set up a lot of good structures, but you don't actually follow them on a day-to-day -day basis. Right. To set up something simple that you can really stick to, try that out. And then once you feel you collected data, then you can iterate on it. But don't constantly uh, change it. Say, okay, we're going to explore this. We're going to try these three different models and see what works, but then really stick to them when you implement them. All right. So do you see, is there anything that is special around how SaaS companies should be structured or what works more or less good yeah, for a SaaS company? I think one, one area is... Um, as a SaaS company um, selling B2B, you have to have a very strong architecture for incorporating customer input. Okay. So you want a close connection between the product teams and, and, and the commercial teams. I, I think that's, that's one area. The other area is around how do you structure the, the sales team? And this is something that I've found very fascinating as, as, as well. Uh, ultimately, you have a, a team that's responsible for, for the end-to-end -end journey of, of, of a customer. And if you want to hold yourself to the quality of, of Apple, where 
you independent of where you interact with it, if it's the packaging or uh, the onboarding experience of the phone, uh, you want that to be a coherent, uh, coherent journey. Um, then you w- would want to set the structure uh, accordingly. And that's what I found quite, quite fascinating with, with this structure around pods, mm-hmm. where instead of having a lot of separate functional terms, you create pods that are responsible for that customer's experience end to end, from the first interaction to the first call to the onboarding to the upsell. You have a team that's uh, creating that that entire experience for uh, for for the customer and creating a lot of alignment on on how to best uh, best serve them. Right. So, how do you design your your pods? Is it based on to a certain extent, geo mapping. So you have pods that look at a particular geo, or is it more vertical, where there's a pod per industry or something like that? I think you. Uh, it depends on what stage you're 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 at. Mm. So, for example, when there's a very new market, then you might have a pod that's just responsible for that market end to end. And then, in addition to that, it it depends on uh, your your product and the nature of your customers and where do you have the greatest commonality. So for us, that's the size of the businesses rather uh, than uh, um, than the specific industry. So we structure ours when we do a new market, like now when we we have launches in in the UK and 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 the US, we will have pods focused on on new markets, and then such a pod will also include go to market and marketing. So they'll re- own everything from you know the customer conferences and and the PR to the onboarding and, and so on. But in more mature markets, then it will be the size of the customers where where we'll see. Uh, larger customers have a lot of commonalities in, in, in terms of how we can serve them best. All right. Gotcha. So what is in the future for Sana Labs besides continuing the 7x journey, of course? We're, uh, we're really excited about the potential that, that AI can have on, on, on the learning. There's been a lot of breakthroughs over the last couple of years that are just now uh, making it itself to, to learning. So we're going to have a couple of big product launches uh, coming up uh, towards the end of this year and, and over over the next year. Uh, we're really excited to, to be launching um, um, and, and pursuing more aggressively the, the US and, and the UK and, and really winning those markets. Uh, already today, we have over 45% of uh, of our uh, ARR out, outside of the Nordics, uh, but 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 we're looking to invest even even more in in those mar- uh, markets. And and what I'm really excited about over time with with Sana is creating a space where all of the world's knowledge is is organized, personalized. And and one reference we use a lot internally is this reference of the Library of Alexandria. So way back then, you could go there and you had all of the world's knowledge, independent of what, what question you wanted to ask, you could, you could get that answer there. You had experts doing live tutorials and, and, and so on. And what if we could do that on an internet scale, where whatever you wanted to learn, that was all in, in Sana. We had all of the world's experts teaching there. And that ex- entire experience was way more interactive than it's been ever before. It was entirely personalized to how you learn best, what you already know, and so on. 
So that's the vision that we're going to be pursuing over the next couple of years and open up not only for the in-organizational knowledge, but then open that up more more broadly as well. I love that. Yeah, I, I get emails now and then from Wikipedia that they are, you know, out of money. So that could maybe be a potential, <laughs> you know, uh, what do you say? acquirement uh, later on so we can make the university of the internet very cool <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, all right so uh, what are you looking for right now uh, if you if we grant you a wish um, i'm looking for incredible um uh, sales talent that can help us build the the global leader in 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 learning um and uh, we're, we're also of course uh, looking to to partner up with some pioneering companies and help accelerate their their missions uh, with uh, with learning. Awesome! Did you make sure that uh, your jobs are posted at Sassy's Jobs? I don't think so. I should. Ah, you should. <laughs> you should. <laughs> you should. <laughs> See, I, I got that uh, in here as well, Thomas. Boom. Smooth. Yeah. Smooth. Awesome. So um, I think this has been really good, and you've already mentioned you know people that have inspired you throughout the journey. So like, who is alive and still inspiring you (laughs) that you potentially would like to see on the show here that's a very good uh, good question i think slack set a completely new new bar for go to market um Mm -hmm. in 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 SaaS, and we certainly um take a lot of inspiration from them and and we have team members that that worked there there previously I think the way they, they structured their, their go-to-market is, is truly state-of-the-art and, and something that, that every uh, SaaS company should, should mirror. So if you could find someone on there or even Stuart to have on the show, uh, I would highly recommend that. We'll see what we can do. So m- maybe we should go in on uh, who is on Slack.com and maybe we find his phone number then. <laughs> 100%. Cool. <laughs> but again, uh, you will... Great having you on the show and best of luck with all the exciting things that you guys are doing. We're definitely going to follow your journey and um, yeah, see you around. Thank you so much for having me. It was great. Take care now. Bye. So Daniel, what are your main takeaways from the episode today? I mean, I envy people like this. Like, you know, he is one, he was so philosophical, but he's like, He's done so much work to study and research and I admire that because, you know, looking at the way you and I run our business, I guess people don't really know this, but it's like we're shooting from the hip from time to time. You don't say. <laughs> yeah, there's no empirical study uh, behind some of the decisions we make here. No, but all jokes aside, um, there were many things here that were really go- good or great, I would say. But one thing that I think was really key that he said, you should not have an organization and then structure your objectives or goals or mission based on that organization or structure you have. It should be the other way around. And he had this goal or the comparison with NASA. They start with our mission is to put the man on the moon or whatever it is. And then they build the organization based on that. They look at like, okay, what functions, what people, how do we need to be structured to reach the mission? So the mission is the driving force as to how did you design your organization. So I thought that was a, that was a neat way of, from him to put it that way. What about you, Thomas? What, what is the big takeaway here? All right. So this has nothing to do with the actual you know, topic, but, but I think it's still a good learning where he said, you know, he just reached out, uh, cold call uh, a lot of these big leaders and so on. And 
what do you know? He got Kanye West to, to uh, you know, answer the phone. And I think with a lot of stuff that you do in your business, where you have, you, you, you have these high ambitions, just go for it. So uh, why not call Kanye West and so on? So uh, yeah, that's <laughs> a takeaway, even if it's not maybe related to the topic. Yes. And I'd love to speak to Kanye West. I'd love to speak to Kim Kardashian. I'm not a big fan. Like you don't have to be a big fan. They're they're like interesting people. Like they, they have some something about them. They manage to be in the limelight all the time. You probably saw just you know recently Kim announced that she's starting a, a VC fund and so on. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I think it's amazing. Like this woman has done everything. Absolutely. And she gets like so much shit, but actually she's like brilliant. Absolutely. Like she's like. Uh, if it's not skims, if it's not uh, uh, reality shows, if it's not uh, a venture capital. I mean, she's done it everything and she's she's done it so good. Yeah. So be a Kim, be a Kanye, be a Joel, reach for the stars, pick up the phone, call the people you want to speak to. Yeah. And talking about stars, we would really like you to go into Apple Podcast or Spotify if you want to and give us five stars. We would appreciate that. And that also helps us getting a better reach with the podcast and also head over to sasnordic.com we are publishing articles there from the community all the time so check out that and also our other initiatives well there's a lot of them uh, join the uh, slack community if you work for a nordic SaaS company and uh, well see you around in the community see you